Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Welcoming you to this episode of the show where tonight we're talking about my film pick of the week from 1979, Phantasm, directed by Don Coscarelli. This episode's going to have balls, big balls, big killer metallic balls. Where do they come from? Only the tall man knows. Morningside created. So we're going to be talking about that a little later on in the show. But as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Golgi Keith. Which is the true nightmare? The horrific dream that you have in your sleep? Or the dissatisfied reality that awaits you when you awake? Ooh, Welcome deep. to Talking Terror. Ooh, I like it. Oh, 10 o'clock hour is going to be good, folks. Getting deep out there. We're going to be talking about what happened. What's up, everybody? You think, when you, <laughs> you think when you die, you go to heaven? You come to us at Talking Terror. We're going to make you a little <laughs> slave. Make you pick our movies for us. There's no heaven. That's what we'll do. <laughs> Only Talking Terror. <laughs> I'll just walk around in a nice suit, just go, boy, the entire time. I'm just like, wow. He's kind of With tall. Big balls. He's got a beard. <laughs> He's got big balls. <laughs> and we've got the biggest balls We've of got them the all. biggest <laughs> balls of them all. <laughs> And as always, we are joined by the psychotic Simeon, the man monkey, the prince of more day. Yes, get dead with it, monkey. Yeah, yeah, King, we are keeping it funky, but maybe not keeping it so fresh because this week we have a goopy, gloppy, goy, messy classic that will be coming your way later this way, Fright fans. So all of you wonderful, crazy creatures at home, cap those cans on your craniums as we come in your ears for the next two hours of horror news, nerdgasms, and a classic Talking Terror movie review. Just be sweet and like and subscribe to Talking Terror on Facebook and Instagram and share the love of your favorite horror podcast that is Talking Terror, baby. What's up, Fry fans? I'm lucky. Hi, King. Got that cocaine. All right. Ready to go. <laughs> He's been power whipping coffins all day. Get ready for this episode. I watched him. I was oh, impressive. Yeah. I get that. Mm, getting them, that cap action going on. Them caps. The capillaries just going like that. Macho man. Like the cream in a crap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the cream always rocks to the top. Oh, yeah. Not like yeah. Macho Man needs like a rap song. Yeah. <laughs> Little Jump Around was in there somewhere, too. Uh, the cream oh, yeah. of the cup. Around to the top. I never eat no pig because the pig is a cup. <laughs> oh, buddy, you had a tomato. <laughs> like it's worth a day. No, sweeter than sour. <laughs> Rest in peace, Macho Man up in heaven, dropping elbows on Jesus or whatever you're doing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Ooh, yeah. elbow drops on JC from the top. Turnbuckle, yeah! <laughs> By God, he's broken in half. Macho Man up the top, bro. 
Uncle Jesus. <laughs> what you got, Jesus? Ooh. Don't think you can handle the macho man. Stop it in the slim jump. Get it. Still has a sponsorship, even in heaven, with Swan Dreams. Watch for me many times. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I die, God, you got to make me still be a sponsor to Swan Dreams. I got to get those chicks. <laughs> ah, okay. Yes, yeah, sign. Sign here, man. <laughs> and we're also joined by the very educated, very opinionated, the Demonic Dean, everybody. Yes, good evening. We're here this evening to talk about Phantasm, uh, the King of Hearts pick. On this tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Uh, yes, so uh, before we get into horror news, as we always do, uh, the boys wrapped up this this past week. Stranger Things also wrapped up. Uh, Monkey, I want to get to the boys first because I know you're not a big Stranger Things fan. So uh, let's get into that, wrap it up real quick. The episodes eight flew by. I loved it, but I want to get your opinions on it. So I'm going to start with the ghoul. What did you think about the wrap up of the boys? Uh, look, you know, I know a lot of people were disappointed with the with the finale. Um, I guess they wanted more boom boom fight fight bang bang zap boom. Um, you know, I think they. Uh, I mean, say well, well. Could it be construed as a little disappointing? Uh, maybe I could have used a little more action for it, but you know what? I think it wrapped up the season well. I think everything kind of hit its 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 peak at Herogasm. And we kind of had like yeah. a, it was kind of like a, a bit of a cruise after that, you know. And and this I feel like sets up a lot of things. If not for the very next season, maybe the fifth season following. You know, we know we have certain things literally on ice that are going to you know possibly return at any given point. Mm-hmm. Monkey, what do you think about it? Uh, yeah, the Diva and I both really, really enjoyed the season. The Diva extremely enjoyed it because of Soldier Boy, because of just what a fangirl she is, you know, because of fucking Supernatural. Mm-hmm. So she was so she was fucking losing her shit. She just wants you know, to she, bang she, him. Probably. <laughs> you know, while he's eating a fucking che- cheeseburger, you know, on the fucking hood of the car, you know. But it's okay because I got Naomi. And, and he's going to so. look right at you. He's going to look you right in the eyes and be like, Oh, direct eye contact. This is how you do it, you pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll be sitting there in the corner crying, going, you're right, Dean. You're absolutely right. Fuck you. (laughs) You magnificent (laughs) ass. Sammy Winchester. (laughs) So she was just off to see him go because – in her mind, she was like, you know, that's it. You know, he's done. That's wrap up. And I'm like, baby, you know, no, it's like the boys, they can bring anybody back at any time because, again, like the ghoul had said, I'm still waiting for him to bring Stormfront back because, again, we didn't see a body. You never know what's going to happen. You know, there's so many things up in the air. They've got so many stories working. And like like the ghoul also said, you know, <laughs> yeah, it peaked at Herogasm. And it just kind of slid into its own but we had a nice turning of the team and the characters once again becoming more well rounded and just really good solid storytelling on their part and remembering that you need to write about the actual boys and their development and not just about the soups. So yeah, I you know, again, just fun fun ride, man. <laughs> I, I, I just I can't wait till next season. Yeah, dude. But yeah, I can't wait for next season. <laughs> so much fun. All right. And Dean, what did you think about the wrap up of the boys? I will tell you what I think about the wrap up of the boys. I 
I love it, man. Uh, I love this show. Uh, mm-hmm. I uh, don't agree with any hubbub that might be out there about, oh, there wasn't enough action or enough this. I feel that uh, in this third season, they have done just an outstanding job of laying the groundwork for uh, different storylines and what direction the overarching story is going. Uh, and I agree with what the ghoul said, that this, these are, uh, given that each of the three seasons thus far has only been eight episodes, that it's possible that uh, we have storylines stretching from uh, not only a fourth, but potentially into a fifth season. Uh, just, um, I'm, I'm just totally down with it, and I fucking, and I love it. And, uh, you know, now that it is over, I know at the start I was like, God damn it. Why can't they just give us all of the episodes at once? Uh, but right. in hindsight, <laughs> with the gift of the gift of hindsight now, I appreciate that they gave us the three episodes at the start and then the weekly releases because uh, once that was going on, I was finding myself uh, enjoying having something uh, to look forward to, especially uh, the enjoyment of like opening up my Prime app, uh, you know, throughout the town Thursday to see you know, when it was going to hit early, uh, you know, and make my plans to either watch it Thursday or Friday. Um, so I was down with the format. But, you know, eight-episode seasons, uh, short seasons, um, I would imagine uh, that being that the world is, is back in full production mode, that uh, we might not have to wait as long between the second uh, – for the fourth season uh, as we waited between the second and third season. Um, but but fantastic job, and uh, I know I share a bunch of the stuff uh, with the group. Uh, <laughs> it, but I, I also yeah. feel uh, that the boys is doing a fantastic job uh, with their social media, and not just like yes. the official the boys accounts, but like what's so fun is like the Vot International official Blue Checks Twitter account. Um, you know, putting out their information as if this is all real life. And then all of the people on Twitter that are interacting with it as if it's real, it's like, um, and I thought this is not my original thought. Uh, I saw somebody mention this, but it it truly, it's like, it's like live action cosplay in real time. And it's just, it's just really fucking hilarious. And I think that, uh, you know, I feel like if they continue to do that uh, in between the third and fourth season, uh, you know, to keep interest and engagement, I think that would be a really great idea as well. And, uh, you know, with that being said, I have uh, some additional information surrounding that when we get uh, a little further into, into this first part of our show. Okay, great. Yeah. And I love the fact uh, that they gave you more about the characters. I mean, one of the things I liked was seeing Soldier Boy cranking at the two old women on the Legends bed. He's like, oh, this is never going to come out. Like, what the hell? <laughs> You're staying here. Those are my assistants. I can't pay them off now. You know, Paul Reiser, you know, between Stranger Things and this show, I was like, I love the resurgence of Paul Reiser because I've always been a fan, and to see him on these two shows is great. Uh, having more of Butcher's background as growing up with his father and his brother, even Black Noir, you know, having his backstory being told through cartoon characters. <laughs> he's, got the child of, he's got the mind of a child. And I loved it. Like this merciless killer. And he just relates to cartoon characters. So we're like, yeah, kill him. Kill Homelander. Yay. And he's like, okay. <laughs> you know? 
You know, that was I one just, of those I, things, I too, it. that when they, they first started doing it that way, I was kind of like, eh, I wasn't entirely sold on the whole thing. But then as, like, you dive into, like, how much each of those characters either represented other people or, or fractured yes, parts yeah. of his own yeah. psyche. It really kind of made a very interesting way to, to present all of that. I mean, we've obviously seen that done in Tarantino films as well. He did that in Kill mm-hmm. Bill by, by going back with the animation. But, yeah, again, yeah. I, I ended up really enjoying it, and I feel like whatever it was that we saw – at the end there, whether that is Black Noir's death or just, you know, a, a, another fade-out type of sequence, I thought it made it really effective to do it in that cartoon way. It kind of made, for some reason, something inside of me kind of, it hurt me more to watch him go that way. Kind of like, oh, fuck, man, there's some innocence lost, huh? You get to go with Christ now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Always one. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It was, it was so sad. You know, I agree with the goal. Like seeing him, the cartoon characters start to cry. We get to go see Christ now. Oh, Black Noir, don't go. We love you. Don't leave us with the deep, even though I love him too. Just seeing him get all fat out with the snacks at the end of the season. I pounded on him when he was. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm just I'm excited to see what they do with the next season, you know, and then having Homelander still at the end of that season still be the ruthless dick that he is. Like, there's just nothing more that you could do to make that character better as the ultimate villain, you know, of the series. But he's always going to have his followers. He's always going to have people that love him, you know, despite the numbers. You know, he's always going to be a favorite to leave the right way. We saw it at the end. It's like, no matter what you do, people are going to love you, Homelander. You're just doing God's work. Ah. Geek! (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Monkey, I know you don't really watch Stranger Things, but I wanted to talk to the ghoul and the the dean, obviously, about the eight and nine (laughs) episodes. I think it needs to be talked about. Try to be as spoiler-free, I guess, as we can, boys, because I know it, it premiered on July 1st, but I feel like we should have a modicum of spoiler-freeness, I guess, if you want. I don't know. What do you guys think? Dean, you want to go I mean, first? That's, yeah, sure. That's fine. We don't need to get into the, the nitty-gritty and the specific details, and that is a very good point. I mean, granted, we just – well, I guess we didn't even talk about the specific details uh, about about the boys, about everything that's going on, some things. But, yeah, given that the, uh, you know, the final two episodes of the Stranger Things season did just uh, air recently, uh, I feel like maybe not getting into the specifics. But, look, I feel like, like them too. Like, it was such a gap between the third season and the fourth season. Yeah. And I know when we had the same conversation back after the first batch of episodes uh, came on, uh, you know, I know I did not go back and watch any of the previous three, and I felt that they did an excellent job in uh, kind of catching everyone up to what was going on and throwing us back into the world of Hawkins. I feel that uh, season four was very, very strong, uh, and they delivered completely on the promise that they had said about how uh, the world was going to be much more expansive uh, and the story more wide-ranging, and I feel they delivered on that. Um, I feel that, uh, you know, it was a darker episode that was not, 
how can I say this? Uh, it was not it was not full of clear victories. Let's say that. Right. And mm-hmm, um, absolutely. I feel. I feel that my one, my one take, well, not my one takeaway, but my, my one, I don't even know if I would call this a gripe, is I feel that it, it has become like just a touch bloated with the sheer volume of characters and storylines uh, mm-hmm. that are going yeah. on right now. Uh, but we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Uh, I will say, uh, and I don't need to say out loud, but if you think back uh, when after the first batch of episodes aired and we talked about it, um, mm-hmm. I had said that I had a prediction that was going to happen. And we talked about how oh, I should, oh, I should write it down in a letter and send it to the ghoul and then yeah. he can open it after the season. So my prediction did not happen. Um, I was wrong in what I thought was going to happen. Uh, okay. But anyway, uh, I'm curious. Obviously, I'm all in. Uh, and I know it, we might be waiting a little while uh, to see uh, the fifth season. Uh, the white and I reported this on the news here on Talking Terror last week that the the writers' room for season five isn't opening until August. Um, so we might not be seeing Stranger Things five until twenty twenty four. Duffers have made it clear uh, that they know exactly how it's going to end. Uh, that they have the final twenty minutes. Uh, locked and loaded, uh, but nice. <laughs> how they're going to get there, how they're going to get there hasn't hasn't been written yet. So uh, a lot of storylines, a lot of things going on, but I think that they, after the long layoff, I feel like they've done a, a fantastic job delivering, uh, you know, a, a, a wonderful season uh, with many reminders of why everyone fell in love with the show in the first place. Yeah, that's a, a great thing, uh, too. Yeah, and you remember it as far as season one. Like I said, as far as season four goes, best of season one. Uh, but, go, what did you think about the, the last uh, eight and nine? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, again, overall, this entire season is the best season since the first one. Um, you know, I think that similar to what the Dean is saying, though, too, it does feel like it's, it's a little – it almost felt like they just didn't close enough of the stories that they introduced in this season. Um, I would have liked some <laughs> – more finality overall with, with, with certain things, uh, but but aside from that, no. Did I did I enjoy the ride? Yeah. Did I even enjoy the thirty day wait for those last two episodes? Yeah. It kind of built up a lot of uh, a lot of anticipation and, and excitement for it. So you know, like when when it did deliver and I got home, it was like, all right, you know what? I'm about to sit here and I'm going to stay up till one one thirty in the morning and watch these two damn episodes. You know, it, it, it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so, so am I looking forward to, to the future of this franchise? Yes, I am. But I'd really like them to, to maybe kind of move things along a little bit and let's not have a two- or three-year gap. Like, look, I, I'm all for quality and everything, but, you know, there, there should be some, some level of, uh, of movement going on. Like, like, come on, Duffer Brothers. You know, if you guys have all this you shit got- together and everything's ready, then, then let's get moving you got to remember, well, well, they don't. They have not, like, season five is not yet written. Uh, you know, the yeah. writer's room uh, opens in August. Like, they're not ready to go. What they have said is that they, have, they know the last 20 minutes. That's what they know. Uh, but how they're going to get there, like I said, has not been written yet. Um, you know, the big gap between season three and season four is, is, is strictly, uh, you know, a COVID thing, you know, and, 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 and everything. Because yeah. they did say through COVID that they had, season four 
on lock and ready to go. So uh, the writer's room for season five uh, opens in August. So again, Mm -hmm. though, with all that extra COVID time, since they said throughout, you know, all all of COVID that everything was written and they were just waiting to go to get to, to filming and getting to making it, right? You had all that extra time in which you weren't filming and you weren't making, and obviously the writing part was done. Why the fuck weren't you starting season five already? Like, you know, I would think with all that extra fucking time on your hand, you should have been... Like, you know, it's like I look at George R. R. Martin. Like, motherfucker, you had all this time sitting around. You know what? By now we should have book six, seven, and possibly eight on its fucking way out. You know, so, like, come on. But again, I I digress. (laughs) You know what? It is what it is. You know, I I, I can, I I know what's going to happen. We're going to have whatever amount of time that's that's going to to take place. And and it's going to hit a point where I'm going to be like, you know, I probably don't really care all that much about Stranger Things anymore at all. And then yeah. it's going to be, a, mm-hmm. and then the season's going to come, and I'm going to get a little bit excited, and it's going to come out. And guess what? It's going to go. It, it is. It's as black and white as it can get. It's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to end up like season two and season three, where it ends, and I'm kind of like, eh, do I really like this show yeah. at all? Or it's going to end like this season, and I'm going to be like, yeah, motherfucker, I can't wait for the next damn one to come out already. Um, so. <laughs> So let's see. There, there, there doesn't seem to be an in-between for me with Stranger Things. I either really enjoy the seasons or I don't. And season two and three are, are – and seasons one and four mm-hmm. are fucking fantastic. Oh, I agree. And, you know, with season four, the way it played out, I, I enjoyed all of it. I loved how the Duffer Brothers, you know, went into the satanic panic movement of that time where Eddie is the metalhead and he's the one that killed this girl, Chrissy, and we need to go after him and we need to be concerned and all we need is a curfew. Um, Glory days right there, man. Uh, Just, man, it was so good. And I know that uh, the Duffer brothers said that Eddie, his creation was based on Damien Eccles and uh, Jason Baldwin and Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. from the West Memphis Three. And I felt that, but... You know, the most metal fucking moment, and it's not a spoiler because it's all over the internet right now, is fucking Eddie shredding the Upside Down to Master of Puppets. Like, that is the series' best moment for me, is seeing him on that trailer shredding to Master of Puppets while the demo bats him flying at him, you know, and, and Dustin. Like, I was like, that's it. I was like, this is the penultimate moment. You know, this, it can't get any more fucking metal or cooler than this moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a huge fan of Eddie Munson. Um, this entire season. Like, it was a breath of fresh air, and it's cool to see that kind of character appear and do his thing. Um, the only thing I didn't like, really, was the Hopper part. Him and Russia, I just didn't care for it too much. Like, when they went back to it, I was like, ah, it's okay. I mean, I want to see him get out. I want to see him go back to Hawkins and reunite with Eleven and everybody, but I just I didn't really care about those parts. I was like, this is fun. You know, it's got a lot of cool moments, including him having, you know, the, the, the sword at one point, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, I want to go back and see what everybody else is doing. Where's Eddie? You know, where's Steve? Where's everybody else? But we had to, to, to wrap up that part of Hopper's journey with Joyce and Murray, who knows Kung Fu, knows karate. <laughs> so, I, so I did like some of Murray's, you know, parts in this. I liked that it was, uh, it was a little less than, than, than we'd seen in the previous one. Uh, yeah, but I, I do agree with you. I kind of feel like that was like it was just there 
to give Winona Ryder something to do. It was just there to give, yeah. you know, Hopper something to do. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I mean, obviously, look, did we have to get him back? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, they could have also so played it out where, where we really didn't know if he was – they could have taken this whole season and really kind of given them all, like, a, a little bit of a backseat and, and yeah. let that, you know, let that suspense build as to whether or not he's alive. But, you know, I guess, look, actors actors want to be paid, or at least Netflix wants to know that if they're paying these people, then they, they have to be on screen. So, uh, whatever. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, and it's good to see these characters. But yeah, it kind of feels empty in a way, you know, and then you have characters like Jonathan and Argyle who are there, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, they're great, but what are they doing? Like, they just, they didn't really give them enough to do. They kind of felt like they were being thrown into the it. Thing. You know, when I talked, when I talked uh, in, 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 in my thoughts a little while ago, and I said that, you know, my one gripe is how things, uh, you know, have, did feel like a little bit bloated as far as characters and storylines, like, it's just that there's so much like it wasn't just Hopper in Russia. It was Hopper in Russia with the introduction of a few more characters that had right. kind of important yeah. roles surrounding all of that. Uh, you know, back in Hawkins, there was the introduction of a couple of more characters in storylines. And like, that would be great if they're introducing new characters and other characters are getting eliminated, but really like no characters are getting eliminated. And yes, uh, well, no. we know, we know but, what happened and everything, but like, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like some fat needs to be trimmed a little bit because now, and granted, uh, you know, everyone is is, is making their way back to the the same location. Uh, Like, there's just so many characters. Like, going back to the first season, uh, you know, you you had the four boys and then Will being missing in the introduction of Eleven, and then, you know, Joyce, um, you know, and Will's brother, and everything, but as each season passed, uh, you know, more and more characters were kind of introduced to all of this, uh, and they all end up, like, continuing on uh, in in the stories, you know? Like, obviously, we know, uh, you know, the fate of Max's brother, um, you know, we know what mm-hmm. happened yeah. in this, in the final episode of this of this season, but it's like, you just can't, you can't have you know, you don't need, I don't, let me, I don't want to say you can't have, but I just feel like you don't need every single one of these characters. And right now, like there's just a lot of characters and a lot of storyline, you know? Well, here's oh, yeah. the thing too, though. And I do, I do think what you got to see is like, yes. Okay. So one way to do that is, is through the deaths, right? You say, Hey, I'm going to kill off certain characters and I'm going to introduce other characters. But I think characters like Enzo and Yuri and stuff like that, I don't see them coming back. I don't see them being, I mean, obviously look, if people somehow warmed up to them, you know, maybe they bring one or two of them back or something like that. But I think for the most part, really, it was a matter of, you know, kind of filling things in with some guests guest appearances and things like that, or like, oh, hey, I know this actor from, from this movie or, or so forth, you know? Um, but like uh, like Thomas Walsinga or whatever his name, I, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, man, but that's the guy that played Enzo. You know, I know him from yeah. Game of Thrones, you know? So, so mm-hmm. like, I saw him and I'm sitting there, you know, spending however much time saying to myself, where the fuck do I know this guy from? Well, boom, that's where I know him from. Uh, but I think what you did get, remember, in past seasons... We got a lot of parents. You know, we got yes. all yes. the kids' parents as well as the kids. And this season, you got very light 
on the parents, and you got all of this other stuff to kind of build a bigger world. Like, out of everybody we see, I mean, I think obviously due to his popularity, we're going to keep seeing Argyle. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, stoner, stoner characters tend to, to kind of be hit or miss, and I guess, I guess it was a hit <laughs> for certain people. I, 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 I could do without him, to be honest with you. you Me know, too. Sometimes I guess he, he had moments of funny, but for the most part, I kind of just found him like, a little too stereotypical, um, but but whatever. Yep. You know that that is what it is. Like I said, if people warm up to them, they're they're gonna bring them back. But yeah, you know, I th- I think we can see a lot of these characters written off as just people that were there. And you know, obviously we did get you know some some deaths. You know, not as much as I would have liked either. I mean, you you know how I felt about that. I was like, fucking kill this one, kill yeah. that one, fucking kill them all. You know, have have fucking. You know, for for all I care, go Return of the Living Dead on Hawkins by the end of the fucking season and give us an entire fresh <laughs> batch of kids with fucking season five. You know, I, I, I'm all for it, man. If the story works, yeah. the story works. It does. Yeah. You know, I would, yeah. Argyle, you know, you wanted to like him, but I was more towards Eddie, obviously, because of the, my metalhead background. But it just, like, Argyle had nothing really to do. He was just the, 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 the stoner guy who knows about salt and water. So it's like, oh, yeah, fucking like, one-dimensional. They, they needed to give him, like, a little, like, I don't know. They could have given him some more depth other than just the, uh, like, hey, you know. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you got to see it to believe uh, it, dude. Even, like, Spicoli had more fucking depth than that. You know what I mean? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. He did. You know, and the, the character, like, even, like, Jason, the the head of the basketball team, I love what they did to his character. Like, he was such a throwaway character. Like, I just wanted to see him die because he was against all the metalhead shit. And I was like, yeah. But at least he was in there. At least you got a lot of him. And you could see how fucking and, and evil you know he was. He, and he sold it. But that's the thing, too. It wasn't so much that he was just evil. It was belief. You know, he sold yeah. that shit like a fucking Mike Dexter. You know, his own, his really own belief well. system really well. worked with the paranoia and everything else to create that. So... You know, is it is it that he's inherently evil? No, he's just mis, no. you know misguided, misinformed, misraised, however you want to look at it, and that is what gets portrayed as evil based on on the point of view. There is depth right there in a like character that, that, like you said, is is a fucking throwaway character. But you know, <laughs> hey, I like pineapple on pizza, man. <laughs> you got to try works. it, man. Yeah, like you know, I was like, obviously he has his followers. A lot of people like Argyle, but all right. So moving away from Stranger Things uh, and Eddie Munson and all those characters. <laughs> what are we be talking about tonight? The horror news theme. What do you got? I'll tell you what I got. And King what do you got uh, this story. This story is for you. I know you've oh, seen it, it but I, I know King that you are a tangible collector and. I, with that being said, uh, I feel that you would find it important to know that the George Romero, uh, the apartment, uh, is having a tangible release. Yes. Uh, it is coming. It is coming to a uh, you know a Blu-ray, Blu-ray set. Ooh, me too. The amusement park. Not the apartment. Amusement park. Did I say no, the amusement park? I apologize. I don't, I don't, the apartment. I don't know why. It's another student film. <laughs> the apartment. 
Just so you know, people, <laughs> Dean comes from the same place that Argyle does. Uh, well, yeah, man. From there with the apartment, Dean. It, it hit. You know, we know that it was it was on Shutter, and uh, yes. you know the the Blu-ray release from Shutter is coming yes. September 13th. So uh, if you feel if you're a, if yep. you're a completist and you need to have this as part of your collection, uh, then September 13th uh, it will be coming to Blu-ray. Um, if you need to hold it in your hands and and not just watch it on a streaming service. Yes, the amusement park. Yes, that's on Shutter. The amusement the, the park. The ageism PSA. Yes, and I do plan on buying it when it becomes physical because I need to sleep with it, I need to wake up to it, I need to go to bed to it. So, yeah. The apartment, though, I'll wait for that one. The rest will terrify you. Joe, the Joe, 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 I don't know Joe. why. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know why this was this, um, But the apartment... Uh, there was an apartment uh, film uh, in the 1960s. I don't know why that was, like, in my brain. But anyway, uh, with that being said, uh, <laughs> September 13th, get your hands on Amusement Park if, if you need to hold it in your hands. Um, awesome. Can't wait. Yes. I knew, I knew that, that you would not uh, be able to wait. Um, I can tell you that, you know, the as the universe of American Horror Story has expanded. Uh, the second season of American Horror Stories is uh, rapidly approaching, and while... Is somebody, is somebody like, strangling a small child in the background? Yeah, there's a kid <laughs> in the balcony crying, crying his eyes out, so I don't know why. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess uh, but American Horror Stories has announced that uh, some performers in the upcoming season, and this is American Horror Stories, season two of their anthology right. series, uh, some of these episodes will feature uh, Bella Thorne, Alicia Silverstone, and Max Greenfield. So uh, you can look okay. forward to their performances if you are looking forward to the second season of American Horror Stories. A good cast. All right. Oh. Yes. When is that debut? Bella Thorne is like uh, one of those actresses where she's kind of like weird looking, but in like such a hot way. I, I, I can't necessarily <laughs> yeah. put my yeah. thumb on it. I would agree with you there. <laughs> so, you have I listened, that. Uh, you know, sometime over the last, you know, couple years, uh, she was interviewed on the uh, Howard Stern show and she was mm-hmm. um she was tough to listen to uh just so much like affect in her voice and vocal oh, cry right. um I guess it that. was it was painful <laughs> it was painful to listen to uh but anyway right. uh, american american I don't want to get to I don't want to get to know her <laughs> american horror <laughs> stories 2 uh will hit uh in just a in a in a, in a very short time it hits on hulu on uh july 21st Oh wow! Uh, so okay, so next week it's it's right around the bend. So that's what we have there. Okay. Uh, we were just talking about sense. Stranger Things. Yes. Uh, so we were. I do want to say that uh, Mike uh, Finn Finn Wolfhard. Uh, Dexter. And mm-hmm. What's that? No, not God. <laughs> not Mike. <laughs> we know it's a role that, model. We know that he's a god. Um, he's an asshole. And we know that he is also very sensitive 
uh, when some when when those out there uh, question his masculinity. Okay. Uh, but we're not well, who talking about like Dexter. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Finn Wolfhard uh, from Stranger Things and his good friend, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Billy Burke, uh, who also was uh, starring in Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, with Finn Wolfhard, uh, are teaming up uh, to develop and direct a horror comedy slasher movie. Uh, that is going to be titled uh, Hell of a Summer. Uh, It's going to be titled Hell of a Summer. Uh, Production starts this summer uh, in Ontario, and, uh, you know, they're hard at work on that, uh, with that being the next project that Finn Wolfhard is working on. So I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that as it goes along. And, uh, you know, also in the realm of Stranger Things, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, and uh, you know uh, who knows if this will actually happen. But the Duffer Brothers have said uh, that they would like to see Stranger Things uh, on on VHS in the pan and scan format. Um, Ooh, I don't know why nice. they would want to see that. Maybe because it takes place in the eighties <laughs> and nostalgia and whatnot. But with their yeah. just stunning visuals they can uh, make money in the, in the in the UHD <laughs> way that it's presented. Um, you know, well, I mean, I'm sure whatever they do will sell. And they're not saying that, oh, this is something that's going to happen. They've just said that this is something that they would like to see happen. But uh, that's why I mentioned that. Yeah. So. We could do it. I mean, do we have to pay them royalties? I mean, if, if you say no, I'm all in. <laughs> I, I do not know the answer uh, to this question that you ask. Uh, but I, I will tell you. Worth, I own $2 worth of a Bitcoin, so I'm kind of rich at the moment. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're making it rainy. I have a whopping 75 cents in Doge. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> ching, 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 ching. Big winners over here. You could probably buy Kill Rose here by now. So. <laughs> as we yeah. often have uh, horror news items in the. Blumhouse universe, um, a couple things mm-hmm. going on there. Uh, there is a thing, a the thing uh, reboot happening uh, with Blumhouse that really? uh, John Carpenter is involved in. John Carpenter has said uh, that he can't say what he knows, um, and he can't say more than that. Um, Except that he's doing the soundtrack. He's not allowed to speak about it. <laughs> he's not allowed to speak about it. Uh, but that there is some type of the thing reboot. Uh, going on in the Blumhouse world, and uh, in between, also in the Blumhouse world, uh, in between the time that I took all of my notes for this evening's program uh, and the start of the show, uh, you know, there's been a lot of noise on social media. Oh, when is there going to be any information about Halloween ends? And the promotion is underway. Some uh, poster images have been released, and Mm -hmm. the trailer, uh, the trailer for Halloween ends will hit uh, next week on July 20th. Uh, so a mere seven days away will be the trailer for Halloween Ends. Uh, and it looks like that is uh, next Wednesday. So we'll have the opportunity to talk about it on next week's show. Uh, apparently, uh, there have been well, some that's why they did it that meetings. Way. <laughs> I know, I know. We, I was in touch. I was in touch and made that request. I made that request. <laughs> uh, 
there have been uh, a couple of test screenings at different places, and uh, supposedly it has been very well received. Um, what that means for uh, wider thoughts once this thing hits the screen this October uh, remains to be seen. But finally, uh, you know, as we're you know getting steadily close to October, uh, there has been some word on um, Halloween ends. So next Wednesday, uh, the trailer for Halloween ends. Well, and with the Curtis thing, tweeted about it, um, yeah, as well as some others involved with the project. Yeah, and, and with the thing, like I, I'm okay with it, you know, because that 2011, which was kind of like a prequel to the thing, I actually liked. Like I saw it in theaters, I was kind of vibing with it. I liked it, you know, it wasn't really terrible. I know a lot of people thought it was, but so anything that involves the thing, yeah, let's make more. You know, if they want to reboot it, why not? Just get Rob Bochini yeah, back. I mean, I think if tra- if treated properly and, and done using, yeah. you know, we got to remember, you know, that version of the thing that we all love is a remake all in itself, you know. So yes, it is. Yes, this is true. <laughs> you know, so it's it's like, and I'm sure there, you know, I, I think back then people had better things to do than complain about remakes. So people probably just didn't really give a fuck. They were just like, oh, hey, cool, another version <laughs> of the thing coming out. Um, oh, wow. We now live in a society where we want to get mad and yell at everybody for, for everything that they do when it's a recreation of something that we find beloved. Um, I look, I, and I'm plenty guilty of it. I, I've done it plenty of times yep. myself, so yep. I'm not casting judgment on anybody but myself with that. Uh, but you know what? Again, if done with reverence and, and properly and they want to bring something new to the table, I am always for it. I think that's a, a story that has plenty of telling. I, I too, like the 2011 uh, prequel. I mean, you know, it wasn't like a prequel. It's a, it's a, it's a prequel. Um, you know, but I thought that they, they did things right, and it feels like it, it gels well with that, you know, that, that 1980s film. So, you know, if, they, if that's the route they want to go and, and maybe give us a, a true sequel to that finally... Like, I, I'm all in for it, you know? Or, I mean, if they're going to go full remake, then, then again, okay. I mean, it is what it is. I don't own the rights, so I can't okay. fucking stop them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just I was just making jokes. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm all for it because we've seen remakes that work. And now we've a seen joke. remakes that don't work. You know? So we've, <laughs> what we've do you seen get? all across the board. You know, we've, we've seen things that work. The Evil Dead, for me, is like the, the penultimate, you know, as far as it working as a remake. Uh, even the prequel, like we said, to the thing, it worked. You know, I even like the Child's Play remake because it offered you something different. It wasn't trying to be Child's Play. It was doing something different. So that's all I look for in a remake. Do something different. Don't be like Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 and just give me garbage or Rob Zombie <laughs> with his Halloween movies, even though he has another one coming out, The Monsters. You know, oh. so... We uh, are we going there? We're going there. Ouch! Let's talk about it, man. <laughs> you shared it to the group chat. I watched it. Ghoul, what did you think about the the, the monsters trailer? You know, I, I here's the thing with that. Okay, and you know, I as soon as I told you know the the, the ghoul girl about. You know, hey, Rob Zombie's remaking the monsters, and you know, her first reaction was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then I was like, "Yeah, it's rated PG." Um, you know, her response <laughs> that followed that was, "Well, that's gonna suck." Um, and you know what? Unfortunately, 
you know, I mean, obviously, look, you can't really tell much from trailers, but if that's the, the direction that this movie is going in, <laughs> then, then yeah, it's not, it's not going to be all that great of a movie. Uh, but, you know, again, not having high hopes going into it should hopefully keep me from being disappointed upon seeing it. Uh, I, I was hoping for something maybe at least like in the, the Brady Bunch uh, movie style uh direction but uh but but no no you know it's uh it, it, it doesn't look like it's poking enough fun at the source material to kind of put you on that smart parody route it just seems like he's trying to just give us a updated version of the monsters which i mean i guess can be funny in today's standpoint i, I, I don't know like in today's world, like I don't know, like like in in nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, like the monsters is funny because society was so so tense and not so open, you know. Like in today's society, like the fucking monsters are normal. People are fucking pierced and fucking tatted, and they got all kinds of shit that makes them look like fucking monsters on a regular basis, you know. And, and they're just they're your fucking neighbors, you know. So it's like okay, sure thing, man. No, the fucking freaks yeah. took over the world, man. Don't you know? <laughs> um, yeah, Dean and Monkey, did you have a chance to watch a Monster trailer? Negative. Okay, so uh, yeah, I saw we'll hold it. On. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it felt like. What a do you think, film. Monkey? Like, You're a fan of the series. You uh, like that old stuff. So. <laughs> I yeah, I I love the series, man. Uh, I, the movie is fun too, you know, and it's just watching this was just. The uh, fucking horrible, like te- Technicolor uh, assault on my eyes, and you know it's like, and then them adding the really bad sound effects as well. I was like, oh wow, you're really going there. <laughs> you're really going there. Oh man, yeah, this thing lo- looks like just a fucking train wreck. I hope they, lo- I hope they lose a ton of money on this thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't hope that. I never I hope, hope anybody that. loses money. Yeah, I don't hope that. I mean, I know it's coming out in September. Um, it's Rob Zombie's passion project, so I kind of give it to him. You know, it seems like, you know, he was just given money, and they're like, just fucking do it, man. Like, this is it. We'll give you a little bit of money, and you can make your Munster's uh, project, the one that you've always wanted to make. And it's just, I'm okay with that. Like, I mean, I will probably still go see it when it comes out in September, but yeah, that trailer just felt like a, a, a fan film. Like, somebody made a fan film out of the Munster's. Yeah. And I was like, is this really the – like, Dan Roebuck, who plays uh, Grandpa, is like, he came and showed up. Like, he is channeling yeah. Al Lewis. Like, and everybody else is like, we don't know why we're here. Let's just fucking Absolutely. make a movie. He feels like he's yeah. in a completely different movie. Like, when you see any scenes with him in it, like, yeah, absolutely. That's the only positive I, I took away from the yep. trailer is that he seems fantastic. <laughs> He seems like he got the project, he knew the character, and he was going to play the shit out of it. And then you have, you know, Herman and, and Lily, who just like, yeah, we don't know. We're just going to fucking play it. Yeah. Like even Angelica <laughs> so, Houston so and Raul Julia in the, you oh, know, the Adams yeah. family. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. got what they were doing. They They took from what the originals were like and they, they, they took from the yep. comic strip and they said, this is how we're going to portray these characters. And they did it smashingly, you know? And, yes. and, and yeah, yep. you know what, man, I'm sorry, but Rob, time and time again, 
you know, I understand it. He loves his wife. She's hot. She's, she's his mm-hmm. wife. He loves her to death. But at some point, you have to be like, look, honey, you know, like, you can't be this actress. We cannot have you in this role because it's just, I don't know, for just even from an artistic standpoint, you can't watch that and be like, oh, you did great. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> you know. Sometimes lies hurt. Yeah, it's just, uh, again, like Lily and Herman, like you were saying, you know, compared to everyone else in the trailer, you know, we're like they were just phoning it in. Um, the, You know, Herman Munster didn't even sound like fucking Herman Munster. No, not at all. <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. It's, he sounded not like me. Not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 like, think oh, he's try, I think he's trying to go for his own sound with that. I think he's kind of going on. Because, oh, look, the fact is you're never going to recreate Fred Gwynn. Um, no. So, no. I mean, you know, so at best you can try to, like, come off sounding somewhat with it. it, it, it I wish they might have just taken a different creative choice in general. Maybe, like, use some kind of, like, I don't know, auto-tune or some kind of, like, robot thing or, like, some monster sound, something other than him just speaking. But, yeah, but, see, but, they, but they already did that. that <laughs> I just was got 13, the finger from Sherry Moon. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They already did that with the, with the TV movie Thirteen Thirteen Mockingbird Lane, you know, and yes, did, yeah. that was yeah, and that was okay. And uh, you know, uh, again, our Herman Munster, which I think was uh, J- Jason Bateman, I believe. You know, no, he did it. Yep, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, and that that was good. It was it was fun, and it was him doing his own thing. And yeah, he, he wasn't tr- trying to be you know Fred Gwynn, and he. He nailed it, and it was just a fun little special. Yeah, it was, and so yeah, you know, I, I it was still, I, apparently there's a rumor that it's going to go right to Netflix. So apparently there's a rumor floating around that Netflix bought it and they're just going to dump it on their streaming service. And I was like, that's fine. I can watch it from home. I don't have to actually go out and buy a ticket. You know, I can just watch it. You got paid you know, for it then, if that's the case. You know, so. Because again, yeah, I, never want I to like see Rob. Him. I do, and I know he doesn't yeah, go into too. these projects thinking to himself like, "I want to make a bad movie," or I'm like, I know he is honestly going in there and putting his all into it. Like, you know what? Yeah. I, I know he's real big on like, "This was my vision. This is how I see it." You know, and and I like him, and I want to like his projects. I mean, I'm going to see the damn guy, you know, perform again at the end of this month, man, <laughs> at uh, in, in Camden. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. I just, I just want to like his projects more, man. I want to like your movies, bro. I've always, like, and I've <laughs> no. always had hopes for it. Like, when I found out that Rob Zombie was making horror movies, I was like, this is going to be fucking great. And it's like, except for, like, the occasional, like, bright spot, it's like, man, you fucking let me down again and again. When you keep going to the same fucking hooker, you know what I mean? Hoping that each time yeah. you do it, it's going to get fucking better, but it just fucking ends up being the <laughs> yeah. same shit, and you're just out the same amount of money. He's great at writing music about movies, but he's not great at writing movies. <laughs> no, he has It's a simile that the ghoul knows well, uh, and what I've always said is that Rob Zombie is really good at shooting uh, faces of white trash people up close. Uh, he's, he's very effective at that. The uh, rest, I'm not so sure. No, it's, it's true. You know, I'm a huge fan of House of Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Free from Hell was fucking so bad. Like, shouldn't even be. 
And then the Halloween remake and movies, he was always against remakes. He's like, why would you fucking remake a piece of shit? Like, you know, just do something else. But then he made Halloween, Halloween 2. And I'm like, Rob, Rob, what are you doing, man? <laughs> this isn't you. This isn't you, man. You're better than this. Like, go away. Like, you know, even the Lords of Salem was pretty good. Like, even then I give a pass to. But just, yeah, he just gets lost every now and then. And I'm hoping that, you know, with him finally making his uh, passion project of the monsters, he can move on to something else. But it just looks yeah. like it was made for 10 bucks. <laughs> the sound quality was off. The, the colors are so off. But, you know, we'll see what happens when it gets released in September. But anyway, Dean, what do you have uh, else to talk about? Uh, so... Uh, previously, uh, I've talked about uh, the sort of superhero uh, film on the horizon starring Sylvester Stallone called Samaritan. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm so excited that, uh, that <laughs> this film is coming on August 26th, and Samaritan is going to be a uh, Amazon Prime Video exclusive. So it will be going to streaming oh, really? on Amazon Prime on August 26th. Which I don't know if I was going to be, I don't know if I was going to be venturing out to the theater for that one. No, yeah, because yeah, this, this thing, this thing's been delayed and delayed and delayed. Like I'm, like you know, news first dropped about this. Uh, Dean was wasn't it like like over two years ago when shit started dropping oh, about this? Easily. Yeah, this, is, this is this was this was one for sure uh, that its production was by by far uh, a COVID uh, uh, casualty. Uh, yeah, set to go, and it will be here towards the end of August. It will be a prime exclusive, and you know I'm excited about that because while I'm looking forward to seeing this, um, I don't think that this is one that I was going to be venturing out to the theater uh, to see. But I will be looking forward to checking it out on Prime. Also, uh, sort of related, and I just wanted to bring this up, uh, sort of related uh, to, to Stallone. Uh, we, we know that uh, the character you're hard on uh, his second uh, most famous character. <laughs> Uh, John Rambo was created in the 1972 book uh, First Blood by author David Morell. Uh, David Morell yeah. wrote uh, many uh, thrillers and action-adventure books through the 80s and 90s, uh, several of which I have read, including uh, The Brotherhood of the Rose, uh, The Fraternity of the Stone, Assumed Identity, Extreme Denial, um, The Covenant of the Flame. Uh, I've read all – I mean, I haven't read all of his books. He has a very extensive uh, bibliography. Um but I have um, read several of those. Uh, he, one of the books that he has written, uh, he has not often dabbled in horror, uh, but he did write a horror book uh, that was called, uh, excuse me, that was called Creepers. And uh, it's been announced that uh, the film Creepers is going to become a film uh, via Lionsgate and uh, directed by somebody named Mark Clothfield, or Clothfield, uh, and filming starts on July 25th. So, um, you know, just bringing that up uh, as one who has read several uh, David Morrell books and can vouch for them being uh, solid, like action, adventure, uh, espionage kinds of books. Uh, but I have not read his Creepers horror book, but it will become a film, and production starts uh, in a very short time. So I wanted to touch on that as well. All right. Oh. And... Let's see what else we got here. Uh, the Boys. Ah, yes, we were talking about The Boys before. So I talked about The yeah. Boys uh, spinoff series that's going to be taking mm-hmm. place at a school 
uh, for superheroes uh, with shades of uh, Euphoria. Is that is that what that show is called? Euphoria Ghoul. Yes. Yes. Uh, so a little bit more information about this boys uh, spinoff. Uh, they have said uh, that there is going to be, and they haven't said who, but they did say that there is going to be some characters from the main series that will uh, show up and cross over in some ways. And uh, the, the boys, the boys uh, <laughs> spinoff series uh, is going to be taking place parallel uh, to some of the events that are going on during the third season of The Boys, uh, Ooh, and maybe even okay. uh, in the in-between heading towards the fourth season. Uh, there also is going to be the introduction of a group of superheroes in The Boys universe called the G-Men, uh, which is a superhero group that's known from the comic uh, that is supposedly a very harsh parody of the X-Men. So uh, we can look forward to meeting the G-Men uh, in the boys' uh, spinoff as well. So it's just some uh, some awesome. more information cool. on things that are going on in uh, in the boys' universe. Awesome. So, I mean, and, and again, parallel to that, like this this past weekend, obviously being starved of uh, of material due to the boys wrapping up and Stranger Things being gone, and you know, all I really have left is is waiting for the Miss Marvel finale, which dropped today. Um, well, there you go. You know, I ended up watching the uh, the Invincible series over the course of the weekend, and I think it's like eight episodes. Nice. Um, and it's uh, it's an animated series, you know, probably about again forty minutes per episode. Uh, I think oh, uh, the finale might have been might, <laughs> might have been a, an hour. Yeah, it was fucking fantastic. And if you are a fan nice. of the boys, you will absolutely enjoy Invincible. And you know, I was told that a bunch of times, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't like animation, though." Man, you know, I am so glad I fucking gave it a shot, and I cannot recommend it enough. Like, you will fucking dig it. Nice. I'm gonna check that out. Words from the ghoul. There you have the Invincible series. Check it out. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, There is going to be a new season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, We know Mm -hmm. back in 2019, it was Are You Afraid of the Dark Carnival of Doom, uh, followed by um, The Curse of the Shadows. Uh, The new uh, episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark are going to be called Are You Afraid of the Dark Ghost Island. Uh, and they will be coming on uh, July 30th, August 6th, and August 13th. So if you have been into the Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, revitalization, uh, there is more on the way. Can't wait. See, in, in, I the, have been. in the goose world, what we ask you is, is are you afraid of the honk? Um, and, uh, oh, and okay. there you go. Are you afraid of the honk? You can you I, can find awesome shirts like that at Mertruvon Entertainment. You know, my, my buddy makes some fucking really killer shirts. And that is one of them. Shame with plug. Entire line, <laughs> there's an entire line of shirts done with, like, Nickelodeon-based, like, uh, series and, and, and stuff like that. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so all, all, all relating to, that's, uh, to, to Goose. That's very interesting. And I just <laughs> feel like I, I, I very slightly felt the earth tilt from the weight of a thousand jam band fans just rolling their eyes. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> remember, fi- now. <laughs> remember, fish tour starts tomorrow. If you're up for a nostalgia thing. Uh, now, um, what else did I want to uh, talk about this evening? Uh, the Salem's lot, the upcoming Salem's lot uh, 
was supposed to Caleb be coming Plot. on September 9th. Uh, it yep. has been delayed for seven months to April 21st, and they say this is strictly a COVID-related delay uh, with no other information. Mm. So uh, if you've been looking forward to Salem's Lot, you have to wait an additional seven months. Uh, I am also I here to tell Salem. you. Salem. What? Whatever, Salem. Salem's whatever. Lot. Um, I'm excited to, to tell you all, because I don't know if anybody knows this, but Peter Weller, Peter Weller <laughs> is going to be returning fucking to Robo the Cop. character that made him famous. Uh, Peter yeah. Weller is going to once again be RoboCop uh, in voice only for the uh, RoboCop Rogue City first-person shooter video game that's coming uh, to all video game platforms in June of 2023. Uh, you yeah, won't see really it for good. another year, um, but Peter Weller uh, has done all of the voice work for, for RoboCop. Uh, you know, he's an old man now, and this is a way for him to step back into the, to the, to the boots. Um, you know, I know that uh, maybe Blumhouse was trying to get like a RoboCop going with Weller again. I don't think it's uh, going to happen, but there will be a RoboCop Rogue City video game, first-person shooter, uh, next June with Peter Weller. Yeah, uh, so let's see. Mm-hmm. There were never so enough that's RoboCop going on. games, to be honest with you. It's <laughs> funny too, because you know I was I was literally just thinking about that franchise. Either today or yesterday. And you know what it is? I was just thinking to myself, man, you know, they kind of really fucked us as far as, like, the future goes. Because here we are in 2022. And, like, when we were kids in, like, the 1980s, you know, by now I was sure that either the fucking world was going to be taken over by robots or fucking RoboCop was going to be walking around as our fucking police department. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, we, we, re- we really don't got enough of fucking robotic uh, interactions happening in this world. Yeah, everything went to computer. But there's no fucking physical robots. You we, got we've got the we've got dinosaurs. the tech, but we don't have the mech. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you got to remember, board, even you know what I mean? like, like yeah. uh, the 1981's Escape from New York took place in 1997. So you look at the future <laughs> yeah. that some of those writers were, <laughs> were, were looking at. The future is now. The future is here. The future is now. And it's just, as I look around for all of the fucking flying cars and fucking teleportation and whatever, like, it's, it's just the same old bullshit, except, though, uh, when I think about it, when I think back to, like, uh, the future that we saw in uh, Back to the Future 2 uh, with things like FaceTiming and, and, like, video talking, like, all of that has happened. Uh, but everything else is, like, the same old bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but video uh, phones yeah. and shit like that were stuff that we saw in like the 1940s too. You know, like the, it wasn't like Back to the Future like fucking invented that idea. Well, no, but like, uh, how can I how can I explain what I was saying? But but no, but it, it it made it seem like it was just part of the fabric of society uh, in Back to the Future too. And now now it yeah, is like, like just about machine. every single person is <laughs> every single person walking around. Uh, oh, not every single person, of course, but the majority of people walking around, uh, you know, have the ability to be in contact with any single person on any part of the planet at the push of a button in their pocket. But see, even they got it wrong. There aren't enough fax machines. You know, McFly, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> fax machine, wow. Uh, I also uh, want to tell you uh, what Quentin Tarantino's uh, favorite horror movie kills are. Uh, 
uh, if you're okay. interested in in hearing about that. So, uh, two right. of his two of his favorite kills are the bayonet kill and pitchfork kill in the. Good one, the prowler. Great one, okay. the prowler. Sorry, cut out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, in Tenebrae, uh, when Jane's arm gets hacked off. Uh, that Covered on the show. Favorites. And also, uh, and it was, you know, the highlight of the film, I believe, the liquid nitrogen kill in Jason X, uh, also right now <laughs> as one of Tarantino's uh, favorite kills. Nice. And a little, a little bit of crass and a little bit of crass. I like it. Yeah, a little, a little class and a little trash. A little bit of slobs versus snobs. But um, you know, to kind of to kind of wrap this up, I also and I don't know who compiled this list, but apparently I have a list of Wes Craven's uh, ten favorite horror films in front of me as well. So I'm just going to run those down uh, real quick, and those include Don't Look Now, uh, something called mm, Blow cool. Up, uh, the mm-hmm. original Psycho, um, mm-hmm. if I can read my Repulsion, uh, The Virgin Spring. Oh, uh, Beauty no, and the that. Beast from 1946, uh, mm-hmm. War of the Worlds from 1953, uh, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Nosferatu, and The Bad Sea. Excellent choice. Really good. And uh, I believe uh, you know that covers the items that I was prepared to talk about in this portion of the Talking Terror program. Okay. All right. So we're going to get into the movie portion where we're talking about Phantasm, my film pick of the week from 1979, directed by Don Coscarelli. So the residents of a small town have begun dying under strange circumstances, when a young Mike to investigate. After discovering that the tall man, played Angus Grimm, the town's mortician, is killing and reanimating the dead as misshapen small zombies. Mike seeks help from his older brother, Jody, and their ice cream swinging friend, the Reg Man, Reggie. And working together, they try to war out and kill the tall man, all the while avoiding his minions and a deadly silver sphere. So that's just a rundown of the movie. We're going to talk about it. But Phantasm, uh, I saw it at a young age, Godzilla. maybe six or seven, and I couldn't finish it. Like, I was so in-depth in horror. But for some reason, Phantasm scared the fuck out of me. Like, I just could not finish it. I would try it, I would watch it, I would rent it, and I just couldn't get through it until my teens when I finally got through it. And I just realized how great this movie is. Yes, it's age, you know, the fashion, the lingo, but the story remains the same. And it's a terrifying story about what could happen to you after death. You know, what happens when this person, this being from another world, takes your body and shrinks you down and makes you a slave? And it's up to a young boy, his brother, and their friend to investigate and hopefully put an end to the tall man. So with that being said, Ghoul, what do you think about Phantasm? Fuck, I think I watched the wrong movie, dude. I watched some shit. It was like a John Holmes movie with like a fucking, <laughs> I don't know, like a whole series of like weird fucking that fantasy could be the right movie. shit, dude. It was like sex in a fucking what the fuck did you want? a rape in a gym, <laughs> uh, some lesbianism. It was like an Australian flick, man. It's like a softcore flick. Oh, hey, oh, yo, he watched the Phantasm with an F. With yeah, an F. Phantasm with an F. Isn't that what we were trying to watch? Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, nah, nah, listen, I mean, come on. Phantasm is one of those, you know, 
it's one of those horror pantheon films. You know, like I, I remember, I remember, you know, as a, as a kid seeing the box in the fucking video store. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen the sequel more than I've ever seen the original, you know, and that's the funny thing. I always like think about this franchise and like my, my mind automatically thinks to certain characters. And then every time I see the first movie again, I'm like, man, I always think of the fucking sequel for this film. I've seen the sequel a right. shit ton of times. Maybe I've seen the first movie, a handful of them. I, I always forget it, you know? And I think, you know, watching it this time, you know, with, with, with the whole talking terror goggles, so to say, yeah, I, I think it's it's almost built in a way where you're kind of supposed to forget it. I think that kind of lends <laughs> towards how the story is told. Um, yeah, you know. So obviously we'll, we'll we'll get into that a little more in depth. But I mean, I think overall, yeah, I think this was a an interesting way to start what would eventually become a franchise. But that won't happen for another almost ten years. Yeah, took a while to get that sequel out, and yeah, it's it's a good sequel. So I will back you up on that one. But Dean, what did you think about Phantasm? Uh, I, I just want to let everybody know, you know, the coolest thing about 1976 Phantasm with an F, an Australian film uh, directed by Richard Franklin that's considered pornography and comedy. Uh, it's like also uh, featured a sequel <laughs> called, called Phantasm Comes Again, uh, just in case anybody <laughs> was interested in, in seeing that. Um, but yeah, if, you, if, you, if you have a softcore porn thing going, go, go for it, man. I, I like penetration. So as, as far as the, the <laughs> phantasm. Now, this is a film that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I have seen this film before. Mm. And as I'm watching it, I'm like waiting for something to happen that I remember uh, because like I did not I, I remembered like like the little like Jawa things running around and I remembered uh, maybe I remembered like the the finger yeah thanks uh, like the the finger in the box I think I remembered the finger in the box too but <laughs> well, other well, than that man the finger in the box but, or again, that's the phantasm with an F. I'm thinking there's also a finger, <laughs> there's a finger in the box horror thing uh, that the the horror movie loving character in the mid '80s uh, comedy uh, Moving Violations does uh, that I know because after after seeing that I would do that finger in the box trick. I like made myself a little box and did a little finger trick. From that, so the finger uh, in the, the box, the finger, said, the finger, the finger in the tr- box trick, yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, maybe one day you'll get to do that, monkey. Um, now, with that being said, <laughs> question is, is uh, the brown box or the pink box? You know, <laughs> why can't about my do? time in jail? Um, <laughs> Horace, Pink, Horace Pinker style. Um, now, uh, <laughs> yeah. the. Uh, you know, Phantasm, you know, this this, this long-standing franchise with Angus Scrimm as the tall man who, who did just pass away recently, uh, if, I, if I recall, yeah. um, you know, is, is one of those, you know, as far as like legacy horror, uh, I don't believe, and I would imagine that you will agree with me, that it's not one of these that's on uh, the level of like 
Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but right. I feel like it's, like, on the same level as, like, uh, um, like Hellraiser, uh, like the Hellraiser series, mm-hmm. like, on that, like, yeah. that lower-level yeah. franchise world. And, um, you know, watching this tonight, uh, I mean, earlier today, because I watched it today, uh, it felt like watching it for the first time because, like I said, I did not remember it. And I felt... Uh, like that, what a cool little interesting world um, that was created for this. I felt that uh, the the settings, especially inside the like the mansion funeral home, uh, were pretty cool, and I thought the story was pretty cool too. Um, you know, I really wish I had more of a um, a recollection of seeing it to like kind of judge it based on what I saw long ago like like you saying oh man this is one that scared the hell out of me I wish I could recall those kinds of feelings but I, I certainly enjoyed getting a chance to, to watch Phantasm with uh, fresh eyes because I don't know if this is one that I would ever sit down and be like oh I'm going to watch this I'm watch this again. awesome alright Monkey what do you think about Phantasm I love this movie <laughs> um, but it's but it's because I really dig this flick because I love the feel of this movie to me this mm falls into the same category as other coming-of-age 70s movies that we grew up watching on TV. Like, this is right up there with movies like Meatballs, Bad News Bears, mm-hmm. Ca- and Caddyshack, you know, because it's the 70s, we have films full of kids smoking, drinking, ri- riding dirt bikes, causing mischief, working on cars, Driving you know, cars. trying to act... Yeah, trying <laughs> yeah. to act like adults, you know, while knowing that we're really just kids stuck in the world full of adults, but it's still... A, these stories of us coming of age and doing the troublesome stuff that we would do, but because, again, it's the 70s and they hadn't come around to, you know, yet telling kids, you know, in movies, you know, yeah, you couldn't be, you shouldn't be having a kid smoking cigarettes and shit like that. But this is what we grew up doing, man. This is how it was. And <laughs> yep. it, this just, you know, so, you know, this movie just gives you like a warm, happy, fuzzy feeling of making me feel like a kid again. Like, I, I just love it, man. <laughs> Awesome. All right, so let's get into it. Let's talk about Phantasm. So we open up in the Morningside Cemetery where Tommy is getting it on with the lady. You know, he is just getting it on. She's on top. She's grinding. He's feeling fucking good, you know, and he's enjoying himself. He's already come. So he's like, dude, that was fucking amazing. But it's short-lived excitement for Tommy because the lady in Lavender reveals a knife, of course, across her to Dallas and stabs you to death. And then we get flashes of the tall man that we'll meet later. Well, so what's worse is he, she's the fucking tall man. That, that's is, really he, is that the lady in Lavender, or is that just the tall man going, yes, yes, do it. Fuck, fuck in my cemetery, <laughs> and then I'll kill you. They, so, they are one of the same. Or is it a tall man in a purple dress? <laughs> yeah. So we don't yeah. know yet, but we're going to find out. Um so we cut to the next day, and we meet Jody Pearson and also his friend Reggie, the ice cream slinging dude. And they're at the Morningside yeah. Cemetery to attend Tommy's funeral. Jody recently lost his parents, and he decides that he's going to pay them a visit in the Marble Mausoleum, where he hears some animal-like noises happening. And he decides, yeah, it's weird, but maybe I'll look around a little bit. And then we cut to his brother Mike running around the cemetery on a dirt bike. And his bike comes to a stop. As Mike tries to figure it out, we see a small being in a brown robe run behind a grave. So what the fuck? We'll figure oh, it out. We're in the early stages. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> back at the mausoleum, we see Jody walking around, and he continues to hear the odd noises. He also sees a small hooded being run behind a corner, and when he goes to investigate further, a hand clap on the shoulder, and it's a tall man. The funeral's about to begin, sir. So, okay, dude. <laughs> All right. I will go to the funeral if you need me to. <laughs> yeah. I dig it because it's the off. 70s. We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, man. So during the service, <laughs> we find out that Reggie was told by Jody that he left Mike at home. He doesn't need to see Tommy this way in the funeral, of course, after their parents have died. But Mike is there with binoculars. And after the funeral is over, he watches a tall man lift up Tommy's coffin by himself and put it into the back of the hearse. And he mouths the words, what the fuck? And we're all there, man. <laughs> we're all with you, Mike. We get it. It's fucking weird. Um, but, of course, in the 70s, what do you do when you have a problem and you can't figure it out? Well, you go to the town psychic because that's what we would all do. Is just go visit her. That's what that's and, what young boys do. Yeah. So we're that, gonna That's because he was trying the, to hit that shit. <laughs> right. We visit the fuckable granddaughter and the grandmother to find out what the fuck is going on. You know, and, played and by to, Ozzy, played played by Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude, right? Oh so my god, thank you. Holy <laughs> shit. I thought the same fucking thing, man. When I first saw it, I was like, Absolutely. Yep. I said the same exact thing. I did crazy train, don't you know? Yes, Grandma, we know. He gets there, and Mike decides he wants to talk to the grandmother. Of course, she could hear him, so we get flashbacks to him working on his brother's Hemikuda. Okay, I mean, Monkey, I know you knew what this car was. It's a Hemikuda, and it's fucking Tosu. Like, actually, actually, it's, actually, it's just a Barracuda. They just put Hemi tags on it to make it look like a Hemikuda. Okay, well, you know it's, it's just a regular like Barracuda. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> But we also see that but Mike still, is it's a bad, But still, it's a badass bike. But, yeah, go ahead, King, because now we have to get to the Gom Jabbar, which the ghoul and I will sit there and jump in on about. Me and Monkey definitely saw the same movie right here, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, uh, Mike drives the car. You know, and he knows nope, how it works. Nope, nope, like, oh, we, man, nope, nope, we, nope. Hold on. Back up, back up. We got to stick with the psychic because nope. you, you got to stick with the psychic because we have to sit there and do the box. We got to do the box. Well, we're going because... to get to the box because that didn't happen yet. Because oh, okay. we have then to have please, the flashback please. of Mike driving the Vakuda and going back to the house. And, of course, Jody's like, I don't know what's wrong with it. And he's like, I know how to fix this. And then we overhear the conversation between Jody and his friend saying, yeah, I'm about to leave town. You know, I'm going to drop him off at his aunt's. Like, I need to leave. And obviously Mike doesn't want Jody to go. He wants to stay with his brother. But his brother is like, yeah, I'm fucking out of here, man. Like, this town is dead. I need to move on. You know, and, and Mike needs to as well. So, yes, let's get to it, you know, with the box. He's going to fucking ditch the, he's gonna ditch the poor kid off with, like, some fucking relatives or <laughs> yeah. some shit. I mean, like, come yeah. on, man. Your fucking parents are gone. And, like, you, the, the funny thing is, is like I said, too, I think this is where, like, my memory of, like, the film always goes to the sequel. Because I never mm-hmm. remember Jody. I never, ever, <laughs> yeah. ever remember Jody. I remember Reggie. I remember Mike. Oh, yeah. I, you know yeah, what? He... I've never watched any of the sequels except for the second one, too. And you, they're all on Prime right now. So I'm going to finally watch yeah. the whole franchise out, after dude. watching this one. 
But, uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of those, right? I, yeah. I, I've been bit by yeah. fucking third movies too often, dude. Return of the Living Dead <laughs> 3 sucks. Hellraiser 3 kind of bit me in the balls. <laughs> yeah. I love the Phantasm series. Like, they're all great fucking – well – Phantasm Ravager, which came out in 2016. We could talk about that when you watch it, but it, it's not great. But we're talking about the original. So, okay, let's get to the box. <laughs> Monkey, you're so yep. excited. Ghoul, you're so excited. So what happens? You tell me. Well, you cut in. It's the, the, but the box shows up, man, out of fucking nowhere, okay? This box shows up on the table, and then he's told it's to put his hand in the box. Yes, and then we have to sit there and completely rip off Dune for the first time in this movie because we're going to sit there and do the Gom Jabbar and have the test of the fear because fear is the mind killer. And keep your hand in the box. It's going to fucking hurt mind like a motherfucker. Don't, <laughs> don't take it out because fear is the mind killer. And, this, and they keep tapping into this over and over and over. But this is a big thing. From the first Dune book is uh, the first test of Paul Atreides. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we, we get thing, that. What we, what we have to remember is that this film is, you know, is considered sci-fi. And Dune, yes, which yep, was yeah. a big thing, would, would have easily have been an influence on probably just about any science fiction slash, you know, horror film that kind of traipsed into these territories. You know, like... And again, obviously, since we're going to just kind of go through the film itself, like one thing I will say that I never remember about this movie, you know, Wes Craven should have put a thanks in for Nightmare on Elm Street because I kept seeing Nightmare on Elm Street throughout this movie. You know, like this this is something that easily could have been an influence on it. The tones, the way things played out, the music, everything about it just really sort of reminded me, and especially when you get to the ending of it. Yeah, it, it, it's such an influence, I would have to assume. But, yeah, so we get that uh, scene, and then we cut to the granddaughter walking into Morgan, Morningside Cemetery. That's a bunch of flowers going to investigate, maybe because of Mike's claims. That's a tall man. But then we have to get into a jam sesh with Reggie and Jody, <laughs> where Jody's just fucking well, away at his ice guitar. Cream band. Yeah, Reggie the ice cream band shows up. In this Hanging out yeah. on the Bye, psychic grandma. We're not going to see you or me again for the rest of this movie. <laughs> yeah. See you nope, later. We're done. Oh, what's this door? Yeah. What's this door here? Yeah. Ah! Yeah. 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 Like the grandma never, never comes see up her again. again. The, the missing psychic nope. friend never like comes nope. up in conversation. Like, hey, you remember that fucking psychic lady that we I used to hang and I was trying to bang her granddaughter? Like, no, no, it's just forgotten. Well. And Reggie does say later in the movie when we get to the finale that he did release a bunch of girls that were, like, screaming like rabbits as they ran off. So I'd like to think that the granddaughter was one of them. But we never get confirmation. So, yeah, we get, some, we get some noodling on a guitar between Jody and Reggie. Just sitting here <laughs> at midnight. Well, Re- Reggie you is know, a musician, like, so. you know, so, so, so the actor <laughs> yeah. is, I guess, you know, he is, is yes. a musician who's, what, the Rare Americans, the New Americans, something like that. Yeah, the New, New Americans, Americans, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, so they play their little ditty, yeah. and then Reggie well, breaks well, out the well, tuning fork. they're back and forth on the front porch. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they break out the tuning fork, which will come up later in the movie, as Reggie taps the tuning fork, and he goes, we're hot as love, you know. And then, yeah, it's like the ghoul had said, we get the granddaughter walking up the morning side, seeing a door, opening it up, and then just off-screen screaming. So it's like, ah, yep, goodbye. 
you know, you know the, fu- the funny thing about the tuning fork is, is it's like one of those where it's there, there's no subtlety to it. You know, like you see no. it come in the shot, and they do like this close-up on it, and it's like Pavlov's gun. You know, you're like, or Chekhov's gun. You know, like, yeah. That's definitely going to come back and play some kind of major um, part. Don't forget that we use the tuning fork somewhere. You're never going to see the tuning <laughs> yeah. fork again. But don't forget that something has to do with sound. And with Reggie. Reggie is the one. So we'll get that to that one a little later. But, again, uh, Ghoul and you know, Monkey are talking about Dunes. Well, we got the Dunes Cantina. So let's go there. Where Jody player, is going to pick up the Lady Lavender. <laughs> so Jody picks up the Lady Lavender, and she's like, hey, do you want to go fuck? And he's like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I'm ready. You know, so let's just go. I didn't, you know what? I didn't realize that she was one and the same from the beginning. Um, they, they might have, like, I don't know, he could have he given us at least one shot like a little bit closer to yeah. uh, maybe of like kind of been like, Oh yeah. It's the same. Cause you really don't see a close up of her during this sequence. You know what I mean? Obviously you see, until you, see you, get a to the until you get to the cemetery itself. Yeah. And even then, like I still didn't pick up on it until, until honestly, I thought she just went missing. It wasn't until I read the Wikipedia that it was like, Oh, and Jody picks up oh. the lady in lavender too. And I'm like, Oh fuck, no shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to really look through the window that Mike's looking through to see in the cantina that it's actually her. Uh, so Mike, of course, follows them as they go through the cemetery to fuck. And it's like Mike creepily watches his brother get some strange among the tombstones. I'm like, dude, like, I would dude. never want to see that. I would never want to see my brother fuck no. somebody. I'd be like, no, <laughs> no. Like, no, oh. that would traumatize me for life. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, like, if it was some stranger, well, I mean, it's... I mean, it all depends on, on, on how Matty G does his banging, though, bro. You know what I mean? He, Whoa, for all you know, he could, be a fucking, no. he could be a total fucking animal in the bed, bro. No, he no, does all kinds of time. crazy shit. No. He no, does, no, dude, you no, like no. me in my red hat? Close your eyes and don't this. breathe. <laughs> but no, you know what, what, Tell what, me you you know what I wall. do love about the sequence? that wall. It's the typical... Like, kid reaction of, like, him seeing boobs, and he's like, oh, man. Wow. You know, like, dude, you're, like, fucking 40 feet away. You know you're not seeing <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, your brother's on top of the girl. You're not really seeing it, but yeah, no, thankfully we you're are. You're not seeing boobs. You're not seeing tits that far away. Like, you're not. Like, Jody has a perfect angle where he looks down, he sees the tits, and he's like, wow. But, yeah, he does. Well, he, well, he, Mike is not kind seeing of on that. top of him. <laughs> Mike is not seeing the same shot. But he doesn't get... Uh, long because a creature comes out of the trees and attacks him. So he goes hauling ass out of the cemetery. Ah! <laughs> and Jody looks up with the fucking the, underwear the in his mouth. Creature, says, what the fuck? The hooded creature in question here, right? If you really think about this sequence, the hooded creature in, que- in question is actually a metaphor for his penis. He's uncircumcised. Yeah, he's about to play with it while watching his brother fuck his girlfriend. <laughs> and Jody sees Mike run hell out of the cemetery, and he chases after him, going, what the fuck? And he's like, there was a guy. It was, it was real close to the ground. He's like, it's probably a gopher or something. Anyway, <laughs> take the keys, go home. He's like, all right, all right. And, of course, Jody's going to go back and get all strange. <laughs> Again, the 70s, here, you drive. <laughs> yeah. I'm so too drunk night, to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so that night, 
Mike has a nightmare, and this is what fucking terrified me as a kid, was that he has a nightmare where he wakes up in his own bed with a tall man standing over him, and then all of a sudden a bunch of the undead grab at him while the tall man just looks on. So, yeah, that fucking terrified me as a kid. And Great shot. Now, I was like, yeah, it was so good. Total, uh, but that, so fucking metal. <laughs> I know. So we cut back, and we see the next day, Jody's back at the bar wondering where the waiting lavender went. The bartender's like, oh, you went to go fucking the cemetery? <laughs> you fucking stood. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's what I do. Um, but we find Mike walking downtown on Main Street, and he sees a tall man walking towards Reggie's frozen treats truck. The tall man stops by the truck and seemingly is a bit unsettled by the frozen vapors coming from the truck. So, is this or you got a major heart on it. It's really hard to tell. <laughs> it really is. It's like, does he enjoy it or is he just upset about it? Um, so we cut back to later at night. Mike is working in, at the car in the garage. He's underneath the car. And he's got the jack all set up. And he's working on it. And then he starts to hear some strange noises. So to protect himself, he grabs a hammer as the car comes crashing down on top of him. And then he slams the hammer down, unfortunately, on Jody's foot. He's like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> He's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, there, were, there was the creatures that were after me. He's like, yeah, maybe it's a retarded kid down the street. I'm like, whoa, Jody, where did that come from? <laughs> I was like, you just $1979, really baby. That. <laughs> yeah. Timmy! Timmy, Timmy. So, undeterred, Mike decides to arm himself with a hunting knife and head to Morningside to get some answers. He breaks in via a window in the basement, and I love the fucking fact that he just is, like, looking around. He's like, oh, shit. Is there anybody around? Is there anybody around? And he just fucking kicks the window open. Dude, don't make noise. <laughs> no subtlety at all. Not, not even trying to see, hey, can I, oh, can, I, can I open this window at all? Nope. Fuck it. I'm just going to kick the motherfucker in. not known for subtlety, man. He's kind of like, I'm kick the window in, dude. Like, you know the funny thing is I keep looking at him, and he, I keep thinking he's uh, fuck, Christopher Lambert. He has, like, a similar face to, like, Chris, Chris Lambert. And, like, well, I want, I want that, like, French-Canadian accent to, like, come out of him. <laughs> that could be only one. <laughs> so That's Mike right. is now in Morningside. He's checking out the coffin showroom. And he's almost caught by the caretaker of Morningside. So he decides he's going to hide one of the coffins and watches as the tall man enters the room and silently motions for the caretaker to leave the room with him. Mike jumps out of the coffin, enters the mausoleum. He notices a door with seven carved heads above it. And then all of a sudden, we have a metallic sphere coming and hunting him down. So this is one of the... Oh, shit. The metallic sphere. So as he's running away, trying to be undetected... This caretaker grabs on the mic, but he bites the caretaker's arm, causing him to release him. And as a spear soars in, finding a home right in the middle of the caretaker's forehead, drilling into his skull, causing blood to shoot out like a geyser. So the Dude. caretaker grabs onto the spear, falls to the ground, and pisses his fucking pants. <laughs> Always such a great Everybody's touch. Cool that Always such a great touch. <laughs> It's such a, yeah, a great again, effect. Our, our intro to the sphere. This, 
this for me, yeah. you know, again, as far as Phantasm goes, I hear the word Phantasm. I think the movie's Phantasm. I think the Metal Spheres. Now, you know, the yeah. well, yeah. is, and again, I know, I know they're going to become more important in, like, the sequels and so forth, but it's yes, really not an important factor in this movie at all. No. You know, it's really just, no. a, it's just a weapon, and it's something that becomes so iconic, and it's so cool. Um, I love it. I love the design of it. I, I love what it does in this sequence. Um, yeah, again, like, I, I remember as a kid, that's what I remember for Phantasm. You know, yeah. I remember, like, reading yep. in Fangoria oh God, magazine yeah. and reading articles about, like, how they made these fucking things and, like, all the different looks and designs that they would come up with. Uh, yeah, these things excite me. I, I like these giant fucking metal balls that suck into people's heads I and drain their blood. I love them so much. And I love the fact that it's so practical, whereas, like, they just got a guy in that could throw a ball. And then they film it backwards and then forwards, you know, to show how it can be fast or slow. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Ghoul, they become bigger, they become badder, you know, in the sequels. There's the gold sphere that they use in part two. Uh, this is fucking amazing. But in this one, it's like, yeah, we're just kind of showing what we can do. And it's amazing. So after the caretaker dies, the tall man appears to Mike. And he shows up in the hallway, and Mike's like, oh, shit. Mm. And he starts walking <laughs> towards the tall man, and the tall man immediately gives chase, running through the hallways of the mausoleum until Mike reaches the storage area, where he slams the door shut. But the tall man's hand is stuck in the door, slapping the sides of the door, trying to get out. So Mike, of course, cuts off the fingers of the tall man, saving one as evidence before he could escape. And I just love the effect of when he cuts the tall man's hands. You just hear that screaming. It's all different kind of voices, all different kind of tones. And he mm-hmm. cuts off the fingers and runs out of the mausoleum back to home. So we have the tall man's minions trying to chase after Mike, but of course he gets out, losing one shoe in the process. And okay. the next day, Mike is sleeping on the steps of the house inside on the steps. And Jody wakes up, and he sees that there's a little wooden box, and he's wondering why his brother has a fucking shotgun that's loaded. So he has to disengage the, the <laughs> shotgun and shells before he can ask his brother what's going on. And he tells Again, him, Again, you know, 70. The... Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he tells him, listen, I went to the mausoleum. This is what I got. So he shows him the box, and Jody, of course, is like, what the fuck, dude? Whatever. You fucking liar. But when he opens the box, he sees a finger inside covered in yellow blood. <clears throat> he closes the box. He's like, okay. <laughs> All right. So let's go to the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, this is what we need to do. We just need to figure out what to do. So let's go to the sheriff. And before they can do that, Mike runs back upstairs to grab the box. But unfortunately, the finger has now transformed into a killer fucking fly with red eyes. That he has to grab really with his jacket. Want. And 1979 practical effects, amazing. But I love the fact that Mike, the actor, is holding onto that jacket and bashing himself from like door to door to the walls, like completely it's, selling the fact that he has something some, in his jacket. It's some physical comedy here, you know. And these are some of the parts that I forget about this movie. It does the, the film in a lot of ways reminds me of the first Evil Dead movie as well. You know, mm-hmm. it just it has, like, that, that practical effect, that, that same kind of feeling. Like, it, it kind of wants to be scary, but at the same time, there's this tongue-in-cheek comedy that's kind of going on in it as well. Yeah, it, and it's so apparent, and it's so fun, you know, especially when Jody 
smashes down to the garbage disposal, thinking that it's done. Like, we killed the fly. Ah, it's all over. <laughs> and then Reggie shows up, and he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? All right. Summertime, we got a lot of people coming out for the ice cream. Mike, why don't you help you me? You want ice cream? Huh? <laughs> the fly, of course, isn't dead. It it soars out of the garbage disposal and starts attacking Mike, climbing onto his back, trying to bite him. And Reggie just looks on in terror as Jody forces it back into the disposal, killing it. So it's like, all right, we're fucking done. We need to decide what to do. So Jody decides he's going to Morningside. He gives Mike the shotgun. You don't aim a gun at a man unless you intend to kill him. And you don't shoot a man unless you tell him to do it, too. So it's like, all right, he's giving him advice. You don't aim a gun at a person if you don't intend to shoot, and you don't shoot if you don't intend to kill. Warning shots are for pussies. Better prepare to pull that (laughs) trigger, boy. (laughs) And Jody grabs the Colt 45 Army issue, and he's like, if anything's going to take him down, it's going to be this. So you stay with the shoddy, I'll stay with the 45 army issue. Um, so he leaves Mike alone in the house. That's smart because obviously nothing's going to happen to him while he's alone. So nice Jody arrives at Morningside. Yeah. <laughs> so Lock the doors. It's a good neighborhood. You'll be fine. <laughs> Why not? You have a shotgun. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So Jody enters through the same basement window that Mike broke when he was there. And he's immediately attacked by one of the hooded creatures. Jody manages to fucking shoot the minion. But I love the fact that he has it on his back, and he's aiming the fucking gun behind his back at the minion's head. (laughs) So he can get his shot off. And I was like, no, no fucking way. (laughs) I can do that. He manages to shoot the minion and runs out of the mortuary as the hearse begins to follow him. So luckily, the cuda arrives with Mike behind the wheel. And this is when Monkey... You love chases. I was hoping that you would like this one. But the funeral hearse and the cuda having a chase. Yeah, and the fact that they actually did they actually did it. They actually shot it side by side. Them running. They took took no um short shortcuts to do this. You know, and yeah, again, just shoot out while while it's all going on. Just fun, fun, fun chase, man. Yeah, it was so great because, you know, Mike's like, yeah, the shot's in the background, you know, in the back seat. So Jody's like, yeah, fuck yeah. So he climbs out of the passenger side window and just starts shooting at the hearse until he gets, you know, the hood to fly off and the hearse crashes. So he's like, yep, that's it. I was like, dude, this fuck is so good. <laughs> Such mm-hmm. was the budget that they had to make this kind of a sequence. Yeah, I mean, they they did a lot with very little for this. You know, like this movie is, you know, going through through some of the the production stuff for it. I mean, it's 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 a lot of just natural generation of money, uh, fly, you know, on the fly filming. Like, hey, guys, come in, we can do this right now. This is you know this this is this is how it's going to go. Um, you know, and, and, and it's one of those cases in which you know, thankfully. Again, over time, this movie ends up, you know, at least being a, a, a solid money-making franchise for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So, and especially during the chase, they make it a point to say that nobody's driving. They don't see anybody driving the hearse. Like, there's nobody driving. Nobody's driving that mother. <laughs> Dean, what were you going to say? Did you know nobody was driving it? 
I was going to say, since, you know, when you're talking about, you know, obviously, yes, this has become a franchise. Now, one thing I know for certain, uh, I have not seen any of, their, any of the other films in the franchise. So, Dude, I guess, like, what, so what, what, like, what is the, what is the quality level uh, of those films? We'll have to wait and watch them and cover them later. <laughs> they, they are, you know, they, they, if you want to go quality, it's just they expand the universe. You know, two through four expand the universe, and they explore the tall man and his reason for doing what he does. And then Ravager kind of wraps it up because that was Angus Grimm's last movie, so it was kind of like this is the end of the tall man, but it's his ultimate goal as far as what he wants to do. So this is kind of setting it up. This is like the appetizer. And then the rest of the movies are kind of like the entree and the dessert. You know, if I wanted to yeah, really I kind mean, of give it a, yeah. I mean, if I would say in, in terms of scale and scope, I think your comparison to Hellraiser earlier um, would actually work as well as, as my, my Evil yeah. Dead one. You know, when you look at Evil mm-hmm. Dead and Evil Dead 2, look at Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2, I think, you know, I, yeah. I think the same things when I think of the sequel to this film. Uh, like I said, I've never seen the third one, and I've never seen Ravager, so, or, or the yeah, fourth Yeah, they, they are all just, I mean, you know, Ravager is kind of weak, but at the same time, you know, uh, 2, 3, and 4. 2016, uh, many two, years later. They, they are all really good. Like, they all just have their kind of place. Um, two is really good. Three, Lord of the Dead. Four, Oblivion. Like Oblivion, if you want to get the whole backstory, they give it to you. Like if you want to know everything about the tall man that you ever wanted to know, it's in there. But um, with Phantasm, as we're talking about, they discover that the driver of the hearse is Tommy, and he's been shrunk down to three feet tall, but he's no! about two hundred pounds. Well, that's because somebody <laughs> was driving the hearse. It was one of the dwarves. <laughs> yep. Tommy was. And they have to take the his body out of the hearse and put it into Reggie's ice cream truck. And Reggie's like, what the fuck, man? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's, I'll put it in the truck, but he better not leak over my ice cream. And it's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so the three head back to the Pearson home where we get a jump scare by Myrtle, who, again, who the fuck are you? Okay. You know, you're the housemaid that we never knew existed. But you're here now. <laughs> and Reggie reacts to you. So Reggie decides, you know what, we need to go back to Morningside. We need to beat the shit out of him and figure out what's going on. But Mike disagrees. That tall mother's strong. So Jody <laughs> wants Mike to stay out of Dodge. So he has Reggie bring to Sally and Susie at the antique store. Mike begrudgingly goes along to the antique store where Sally and Susie are like, ooh, look at this. This is really nice. I think we should close up yeah, Reggie, What do you think? Reggie always reminded me of the poor man's Michael Ironside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael you know, Ironside. He's just well, so I love fucking Michael Ironside. I didn't say so, anything negative about Michael Ironside, did I? No, no, you did not. So we see <laughs> Mike in the antique store looking at a tin type of the tall man on a carriage, a hearse carriage, and we get a zoom in. We see the tall man looking at him, and all of a sudden, Mike's like, "I gotta go. I need oh, to get no. brought back home." Sally and Susie, we must go now. We must go now. And they're like, okay, whatever, man. Let's get in the car and go. But we also see that Reggie's driving back to wherever he needs to go to, and he was knocking on the ice cream truck. So it's like, okay, this is happening. So at home, Jody has a nightmare 
that he wakes up in Morningside as a tall man approaches him, and from behind, a crypt opens and undead hands grab at him. And then we cut back to Mike being driven back home. But we also see that Reggie's truck is now in the middle of the road on its side, and Reggie is nowhere to be found. So, of course, Mike jumps out of the car, driven by Susie and Sally, and says, oh, just give me a second, I need to check. And he walks over to where they kept Tommy's body, and there's only a yellow handprint inside all the ice cream. So he's like, well, uh, we need to go right now. But as soon as he gets back <laughs> into the car, they're attacked by Tommy. You know, in his form, he's out. He's getting for blood. And Mike gets tossed out of the back of the car as the girls are taken away by Tommy. Oh, no, 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 no. And he's just Bye, Susie and Sally. Nice to you. But... But at the same time, though, it's just it's funny because how, how are we supposed to take this, you know, kind of scary and serious at the same time when he's being thrown out the back of a Volkswagen bug like, and, you know, the bug is, like, that. menacingly yeah. driving away. It's like, it's just a bug. <laughs> so Mike and Joey seemingly have, like, like a weird psychic kind of connection. <laughs> where Mike is laying unconscious and Jody senses that. But then Mike gets up, runs back home, immediately slugs down at those Ekis because he's like, fuck, this is fucked up. I need to get a beer. I need to get my center. <laughs> you know, so he slugs down a beer. And Mike wants to go to Jody's morning side, but Jody picks him up and he goes, nope, this isn't for you. I'm going to lock you in your room. I'm going to put a, you know, a screwdriver in the door so you can't get out. But yeah. Mike immediately yeah. is like, you know what, great. plan. You know, you know no, the best is, is a screwdriver in the door would have worked if the door wasn't a pull-in door. Uh, <laughs> you know, in, I didn't pick up on that part. you missed it, you know. I like, missed it. I totally uh, missed yeah. it. Yeah. All he had to do was pull the fucking door in. The screwdriver wasn't stopping it. But, you know, details. <laughs> I When you look at the door, the door already has a big-ass dent in it where someone kicked it in. So it's a cheap-ass <laughs> yeah. door to begin with. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he has to have his moment of like being a scientist where he grabs the hammer, wraps it in tape with the shotgun shell, and bashes the door open. So he could Oh, by the way, don't try and... this at home, kids. <laughs> no, I hope not. Don't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Jody rides off in his Cuda to go back to Morningside, and Mike rushes out of the door that he's now freed open. And that's when we see the tall man is at the front door, waving his fingers at him. I've been waiting for you. And then he shows his fingers. I'm like, dude, he's fucking flashy. He's like, I drew my fingers back, bitch. What are you going to do now? <laughs> As I pick you up and throw you in the back of the hearse. So they show him picking him up, and, of course, Jody's like, Mike is like, how the fuck are you looking me up so high? He's like, he's tall, man, dude. Do whatever the fuck you want. Oh, <laughs> that that mother's strong. <laughs> so both Jody and the tall man in his hearse arrive back at Morningside. And, of course, the tall man driving and laughing at Mike in the back seat. <laughs> He's like, yeah, dude, this kid could do anything. Are you really going to want to keep him in the back? He could shoot you, but no. Instead, he shoots out the back of the hearse's windows and then the tire, which causes the hearse to run into a pole and explode. He's like, well, that's not yeah, doing well, a tall man, dude. <laughs> yeah, but why, why did he, he just do a headshot? Why didn't he just double t- tap to the back of the skull, man? <laughs> right. Just double tap in the back of the skull. 
So Jody is back in the mausoleum. He's a child, man. His parents He's got the purity of a child. Nobody's <laughs> so, got a hammer and a shotgun shell. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and the coffin that Jody opened with his parents is, of course, empty. So, yeah, his parents' coffins are empty. So it's like, oh, that's no! fucking heavy, man. Like, that, that's fucking heavy, dude. Like, then we get Sphere Vision, the red Sphere Vision. As it stores through the halls <laughs> in the mausoleum. And then we get Mike entering the mausoleum as he runs towards his parents' crypt and then opens the coffin and screams, realizing that they aren't there. They are gone. The tall man has made them into what we will eventually discover. And that's when the sphere comes flying in for a kill on Mike. But Jody shows well, we up know and that, shows it with a shot. Well, we know he makes them into, into dwarves because of Tommy. So, so right. we know we know that part already. So at this point, yes, we understand that their parents have been turned into dwarves. The sphere destroyed. Woo. Reggie reappears. <laughs> He's been hiding in a coffin the entire time. He found all the girls no stuck in through a window <laughs> where they all ran out as scared rabbits. So they enter a room and discover a bright white room with black trim and tons of jet black barrels with small windows that you could peer into and also two metallic goals. The barrels contain dwarves. Mike discovers that he can put his hand through the poles and then eventually flip through that dimension and sees that it's all red. There's barrels everywhere. There's dwarves everywhere. And that's when he makes that discovery that he's keeping them as slaves. He crushes them down due to gravity and the dimension because of the heat. So they can't be near cold. They need heat, and they're also shrunk down. So the lights go out at this point, and Mike sparks up a lighter, which causes him to be attacked by a dwarf. It's all about, the dwarf. It's all about, it's all about spice mining, bro. <laughs> yeah. So Reggie ends up outside, and then he goes back inside as the light comes on to the white room. And this is when Reggie decides, just like the tuning fork that we saw with the guitar, maybe if he puts his hands on these forks, that it will close the gate and that everything will be over. So, of course, what does he do? He puts his hands on top of the gates. And then as this happens, the witty lavender reappears and disappears into a vortex that's corrected, sucking all the barrels into the parallel dimension. Reggie manages to get out into the bright white room as Mike looks for Jody outside. Reggie ends up outside once again as the wind is now beginning to pick up. He has to protect his face because all the leaves and rocks are being flown around. And he Thank you, by the, the director, for doing that, for actually throwing rocks okay. at the fan and then well, it would hit the actors. Reggie encounters a lady in lavender lying on the ground. And then as he goes to help her, she stabs him in the process. And then all of a sudden, foot, 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 tall man, lady in lavender, foot, 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 foot. And we're oh, back and forth. man. And then we finally <laughs> see the tall man holding the knife that she held revealing that he was the lady in Lavender the entire time. So he wasn't just looking out for guys fucking in the cemetery. He's actually, he could make himself into a woman, a beautiful woman. <laughs> you know, he, likes to look, he, he likes to dress up a relative compared to today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Mike and Jody race back I could be a woman too. Home. Would you fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> so Mike and Jody race back home as the mortuary begins to glow, which is actually Star Trek technology because they use those effects from Star Trek from the 60s to create well, the, it was the same uh, guy. effect. 
Yeah, so create the effect of the, yeah. the, the big house. Yeah, so so, um, so the house starts to glow, it starts to take off. You know, it's going back to transsexual, it's home planet. <laughs> so uh, at home, Jody tells Mike about a mine shaft that leads thousands of feet down. They need to ward a tall man into that shaft and then just drop some rocks on top of him, and he's never going to kill anybody ever again. So about Jody shaft. needs to prepare the shaft. I'm just talking about Shaft. Damn right. <laughs> so Mike, once again, is left at home alone. Like, stop leaving this fucking kid at home alone. Like, it never worked well, out. He was, but, he, he was planning on leaving him anyway. Bastard, of course he's going to fucking leave him at home. Okay, but the sorry, because him, we're running the out of time. He told him that she was, he was going to take her with him anyway. <laughs> so... Mike is once again left at home, and he's opening all the windows, checking outside, and that's when the tall man once appears once again. Boy. And Mike runs from the house with <laughs> the tall man following. You play a good game, boy, but the game is finished. Now you die. And Mike is running for his life, and eventually he gets trapped in mud, being grabbed by a bunch of the tall man followers, all the hands grabbing at him, but he manages to escape. And then we see the lady in Lavender hiding amongst the trees, holding up her knife. But he manages to get past that. And the trap works perfectly because the tall man falls right into it and falls to his death, maybe. As he falls in, all of a sudden we see a bunch of rocks being dropped down on top of the mine shaft. And then we see Jody on top of the hillside raising his arms up in victory. We did it! Woo! Yeah! It's such a victory. So Mike eventually wakes up in bed. <laughs> Mike eventually wakes up back in bed, and he's like, okay, what the fuck? And all of a sudden, Reggie is alive. You know, he's, he's not stabbed. He's not dead. He's alive, and he's just hanging out in front of the fireplace. And then we see that through this conversation that Mike dreamed everything. It was a nightmare. You know, there's no tall what? man. Jody died in a car accident, and this is just your way of kind of processing the fact that your brother died. And then we see Mike visiting the grave of Jody and just looking down on it through exposition. And Reggie's like, you know what, man? We need to go on a road trip. Just pack some things, man. We're going to have fun. You know, just go upstairs. We'll leave at dawn. And then he pulls out his acoustic guitar and starts strumming once again to, you know, sit here at midnight. So Mike runs back upstairs, packing a few things, including a picture of Jody. And then he closes the closet door. And there we see the tall man with a brand-new haircut standing in the mirror. Boy! And grab at him. And he's pulled through the window as they close out the black on red text. That, to me, is like the fucking perfect way to end this movie because you don't know what's going to happen to him. Like, you think you defeated the ultimate evil, but you really didn't. Like, he's back. He's oh, standing in your room else? in the mirror. Yeah, also, though, if it was all a dream, was any of it even real to begin with? And as such, right. is he just still in a dream? You know, so like I said, you know, with Wes Craven and Nightmare on Elm Street, a lot of things that, that I feel that got kind of carried over in that regard, you know. I, I don't know if you saw yeah. this and, and maybe put a, a little, you know, maybe subconsciously it just entered through. I mean, look, you know, obviously it's not the first time uh, a dream sequence is used, but, you know, using right. this type of film as a means of processing 
you know, with the idea being that this is how a, a child or a young person would process grief um, through dreams and through nightmares, you know, the, the loss of the parents, the loss of the brother, um, and then to have it all, like, wrapped around again with, with it coming back to this, uh, this boogeyman-like character, you know, who, who can seemingly enter your reality at any point, uh, it, it, it gives the movie a, a lot of intelligence that otherwise you wouldn't expect to find in a movie of this nature. You know, like, the, the funny thing is, like, halfway through the movie, I remember, like, talking to the cool girl and being like, you know, it's funny. For something that I've seen as many times as I've seen this movie, I can never, ever remember what the fucking point of any of this plot and, and any of this is. <laughs> and it's because, ultimately, there really is none here. Everything is kind of scattered about because it is all a dream sequence. Yeah. You don't know what to trust. You know, you don't know if it's a dream or it's actual reality. Um, and like you had said, Ghoul, if you watch part two, they give you the explanation. Like, you get it. Like, you find out what happened to him mm-hmm. after the ending of, of Phantasm. Um, but it's just such a great way because if they never made another one, I would actually be kind of happy. Like, they just, I it, like when they leave it on ending. that point where it's like, it's up to you. Yeah, it's up to you. Was it a dream? Was it a reality? You don't know. And, of course, they, they made, you know, another four. Um, but at the same time, if they never made another one, I would have been happy. Like, you just never know what happened to Mike, you know. Um, so, anyway, with that being said, we close out Phantasm. We go into next week. Uh, Mikey, it is your film pick of the week. So, what do you have for us? Yeah, next week, uh, we're going to only go a couple years later because we're going to go 1983, and we're going to go to – the Keep. Oh, oh hmm. man. I know you've been talking about this one. I love it. Oh. Yeah, oh, you, really we, we, we all know the cover. We we all know the cover. The we all saw it in the video rental section. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. okay. All right. Let's explore The Keep next week. Michael, man, I know you've been talking about this one with me, so I'm really excited to make this your pick. So we're going to be talking about it. Tangerine Dream soundtrack, everybody. Get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So, great. So, we have that for next week. Dean, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Talking Terror. Oh, my pleasure. Can't wait to see you back next week for The Keep. Obviously. So excited. All right. And the villagers are joining. (laughs) Thanks for listening, (laughs) friends. Good night, everyone. Love that kiss. The first rule of Fight Club is you don't accidentally kiss. <laughs> Saw that today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go one hand. Go ahead and sign yourself out. You know, it's strange. You know, how you can be living your dreams and your nightmares at the very same time. There we go. <laughs> Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. Stay scared. That's just how I wake up every day. The light is a nightmare of battle life. I wake up with a morning battle. Yeah, I know. It sucks for me because I wake up and I'm like, dude, life sucks. It's a nightmare and it's life. And I'm like, man, I just, I hate everything. But, you know, it's going to be okay because we have the podcast. We have everything else going on. So it's fucking awesome. So anyway, hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail fucking Eddie Munson. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. We'll see you back here for the keep next week. Testicles. <laughs>